1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. Read through verse 19. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from Yahweh, and everyone who loves has been born of Yahweh and knows Yahweh. The one who does not love does not know Yahweh, because Yahweh is love. Yahweh's love was revealed among us in this way. Yahweh sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this, not that we loved Yahweh, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, if Yahweh loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen Yahweh. If we love one another, Yahweh remains in us and His love is perfected in us. This is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given to us from His Spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Yeshua is the Son of Yahweh, Yahweh remains in Him and He in Yahweh. And we have come to know and to believe the love that Yahweh has for us. Yahweh is love. And the one who remains in love remains in Yahweh. And Yahweh remains in Him. In this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For we are as He is in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because He first loved us. Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. I've been wondering what to preach on ever since last week's sermon. But my mind keeps going back to this word or this phrase here in 1 John, Yahweh is love. Now, I kind of shook it off earlier in the week because last week I talked about Yahweh is compassionate. So I wanted to talk about something entirely different this week, but the Spirit kept pricking my heart to speak on Yahweh is love from 1 John 4. I really had not planned on teaching either of these lessons, but sometimes Yahweh plants seeds inside of us that take time to grow and to develop. I do think that us preachers can be given or anyone, can be given something by the Holy Spirit and it stay with us until we've spoken out what Yahweh would have us to speak. So that's what I'm going to do today. I want to continue to talk about how good Yahweh is to us, even though we do not deserve it. Look at verse 7 again. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from Yahweh, and everyone who loves has been born of Yahweh. And knows Yahweh. This verse calls us to love one another. Many moons ago, a man asked me to come up with the best definition of love that I could think of or explain. And I like to think keep things simple and easy because I can't grasp anything unless it's simple and easy. I wished I had the reading comprehension my wife has, but I don't. It takes me seven times to read something and she can read something once and grasp it. But because I like to keep things easy and simple, I narrow down my definition of love to one word. The best word that I could think of to describe love, that is the word service. When you love someone, 
you serve someone, you will do whatever you can to make their life better and easier from those you live closest to and love the most to those you might only interact with one day of your life, but you can still serve that person in that moment, even if that's the first time and the last time you will ever see them. You will be marked by a spirit of help if you love. A spirit of giving, kindness, and an overall good attitude. This is love, service. Now, I primarily pulled that definition from the next chapter in the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, where I'll just read it. It says, For this is what love for Yahweh is, drum roll, to keep His commandments. And His commandments are not a burden. You cannot love Yahweh without keeping His commandments. As a matter of fact, I will be so bold to say that that is the only way to love Yahweh is to keep His commandments. His commandments means that we serve Him. It's not about how high you raise your hands. It's not about how many tears you cry during song service. I'm not saying either of those are wrong to do. I'm just pointing out that we can do those things and still not be serving Yahweh. It's not about how fancy you dress when you come to church. It's not about using the right church words or even speaking the right Hebrew phrases as some in our camp are prone to try to do. Shalom, Mishpokah. <laughs> Love is about simple obedience. Keeping the commandments. You can tell how much a person loves Yahweh by watching how serious they take Yahweh's commandments. As they understand them at any point or level in their life, how serious do they take the commandments as they have the knowledge at that time? Not just a few things and that settles it. I'm not talking about keeping a few outward works. That's works justification. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about a lifestyle of obedience that flows out of a changed heart. That's how you know when somebody truly loves the Father. Their whole life revolves around obeying His instructions. Nothing gets in the way of that. That's number one. That comes first. Everything else comes second or later. Serving Him comes first. And it's really no different than our person-to-person relationships. You can tell how much a person, a spouse, a child, a parent, a friend, you can tell how much anyone loves you by, guess what? How they treat you. Not by the words they say, but how they treat you. One person may tell you with words, but yet have zero service. I can tell my wife, Tisha, that I love her, and I should tell her I love her. But if that's where it stops, then she will realize eventually that my love is fake. A love in word only is superficial. The chapter before this in 1 John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but rather in deed and in truth. Many people fall for this illusion of love in life because they want to believe so badly that someone loves them, yet there's no service which proves there is no love. And it's the same from us to the Creator, from us to Yahweh. If we lift our hands to Yahweh or tell Yahweh, I love you, I love you, Father, in a prayer or a song, yet we leave here and give Him no service through the week in our day-to-day lives, do we really love Yahweh? Do you really love Yahweh? What if your spouse only gave you an hour or two a week and you never heard from them again the whole week until 
the next time it rolled around that particular day and then they gave you another hour or two. Is that love? We all know the answer. So back to verse 7's meaning. We are to love slash serve one another because love is from Yahweh. The point is that if you are born of Yahweh, which means if Yahweh has placed a portion of His Spirit inside of you, and you genuinely know Him, His love has overflown to you and then it will flow out of you. So when you spill, when somebody hits you and you spill, you pour out love. Why? Because that's what you're full of. If you're full of hate, somebody hits you and you spill, you pour out hate. If you're full of curse words and somebody hits you and you spill, you curse. If you're full of Yahweh who is love and somebody hits you, you pour out love. Now look at verse 8. The one who does not love does not know Yahweh because Yahweh is love. When a person doesn't have this overflow from Yahweh, they cannot hand it out themselves. You can't hand out what you don't have. But if Yahweh has placed His love in you, then you overflow with that love. Absence of love means absence of Yahweh from your life because Yahweh is love. So the reality is this. If a person does not have a true relationship with Yahweh, then they don't really have love. Now we might ask at this point, don't unbelievers... Don't people of the world show love? Well, sometimes. There is such a thing called the common grace of Yahweh, and whereby Yahweh allows all of His creation to share in some of His benefits. Think about it like this. It rains and the sun shines on the just and the unjust. That's common grace. Where Yahweh allows everybody, even the most wicked person on earth, still will get rain on their land and sunshine on their property. That's common grace. That's what I'm talking about here. The problem though is that an unbeliever, somebody who doesn't have Yahweh in their life, will always fall short of the fullness of Yahweh's love. And that's because this, their definition of love or service isn't what Yahweh teaches in His law, in His Word. So if Yahweh is not somebody's mighty one, and they're not looking to His instructions as the roadmap for life, they won't have the fullness of love. One big example of this, and I bring this up because this is fresh on my mind. I haven't said anything about this, but I put it in my notes earlier this week. One big example of this in our modern times is the modern LGBT movement. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. This movement now celebrates the entire month of June as a full acceptance of homosexual practice. And the like. LGBT people take pride in themselves and even many in our communities who are heterosexual celebrate this month in honor of those who are not. And all of this is done in the name of love. So don't you understand we love each other? And I, Matthew, am considered to be unloving and intolerant by even bringing this up in a sermon. As a matter of fact, if I pastored a modern day mega church and I brought something up like this, I would probably lose a lot of people. But if we seek to please men, we're a servant of men. If we seek to please Yahweh, we're a servant of Yahweh. Now why are these practices and choices in life not love? Why? Why are they not love? We might say, well, it's unnatural or it's strange. 
But that's not a good argument because some things I practice are weird and strange to people. The answer to why these LGBT practices are not love is because Yahweh's commandments go against the practices. 1 John 5.3, Herein is love to keep His commandments. And they're not burdened. Specifically, Leviticus 18.22 and Deuteronomy 22 verse 5, verses that you won't hear most pastors teach on anymore, teach against those practices. That's it. That's the answer. End of argument. Yahweh commands against those practices so they're not love. And let me say this while I'm here. When an LGBT person tells a Christian that if they're going to call an LGBT life a sin or an abomination, and sometimes they say then they're also going to have to say that eating rabbit or pig is sin or an abomination, or you're going to have to also call wearing a linen woolen garment sin, or you're going to also have to practice the purity and the cleanliness laws in Leviticus after a man's wife gives birth to a child. When you hear somebody in the LGBT community say those type of things to Christians, they are exactly right. They're 100% right. And Christianity has no answer for that. Why? Because they've taken this and they've thrown it out the window. They don't follow this anymore. They pick and choose. It's like they go to a buffet and they get a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but they pass over that. The person is exactly right when they say that. Christians spend so much energy trying to weasel their way out of that. But the fact is that modern Christianity is inconsistent. You cannot accept that one practice of sin in the book of Leviticus is an abomination and then flip a few pages back where it calls it the same abomination to eat pig and say, no, we don't believe in that one anymore, but we're going to believe in this one. Because Jesus died on the cross and now we can eat pork. No. It doesn't work like that. And I always like to bring up the Sabbath here as well. There are way more Scriptures in the Bible about desecrating the Sabbath day. Way more. It's a major sin, yet the church world just glances over that. It's like they take a giant eraser and erase the fourth commandment out of the ten. But somebody that unrepentantly, listen carefully, somebody that unrepentantly breaks the Sabbath is in just as much sin as a person that marches down the street in a colorful outfit and kisses somebody of the same sex. Now my suggestion is that if you ever have a conversation with somebody in the LGBT movement, don't have your feathers ruffled from the get-go. I don't ruffle my feathers with them. I do ruffle my feathers with Christians that aren't consistent. But I expect that worldly people will act like the world, right? I expect more out of believers. They should know better. But if you have a conversation with somebody in the LGBT movement, number one, realize they're a person with feelings. They have worth. They're created in the image of Yahweh. They were made in the image of Yahweh. They're just confused. Just like the Sabbath breakers. They're confused. They don't understand Yahweh's love yet. Another thing. A lot of times we don't know what people have been through in life. We don't know what kind of trauma somebody has experienced. I watched an interview this past week with a man who for a while in his younger years changed to a transgender woman and now, praise Yahweh, he's repented of that. But he was in tears. He's probably Brother Jerry's age now. He was in tears now because of everything that he had done to defy the Lord's commands. But yet when he talked about his childhood and his teenagerhood and 
all of this, you began to see that things that happened to that man were very traumatic. And a lot of times we don't think about that. You don't ever know what somebody has went through. We should always be kind to people. If you are genuinely interested in somebody's repentance and salvation, which that should be our goal. Our goal should not be to push someone down, but to love them in a way that there's repentance that happens in their life. And if that's what your generous interest is, take the time to be courteous to them as a fellow human. Not to okay their practice, but because you want to see them repent and spend an eternity in the kingdom of of Yahweh. 1 Corinthians 6, somebody told me one time, they can't repent, Brother Matthew. No, that's wrong. 1 Corinthians 6, 8-10 through 10 says, Such were some of you, but you have been washed. You have been sanctified. You have been justified. Well, that was a rabbit trail. I'm talking about love today. The unbeliever cannot walk fully in the love of Yahweh because they don't believe the commandments of Yahweh are perfect, converting the soul. Psalm 19, verse 7. And it's not just the LGBT practices. Unbelievers blaspheme. They say say things like GD or they use Jesus Christ as a curse word. I know those are not the original names of the Father and the Son, but when people in the world use those, you see it sometimes in movies and, and the like or hear somebody say it, when they use those words that way, they're meaning them that way and cursing has a lot more to do with meaning than the actual word that's being used. And so when they say GD is a curse word, it's blasphemy. Because they're taking something that they would normally apply and recognize for the higher being and trying to use it as a curse word. Same thing with the name Jesus Christ, even though it's not the original name of the Messiah. A lot of people have a frivolous attitude toward adultery, marital infidelity. You see somebody that that happens to now, people say, oh, well, I'm sorry, but it's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's, no, it's all right. It's just as much as a sin. Just as much of a sin. I mentioned the Sabbath, eating unclean. The list goes on. The one who does not love, in verse 8, is the one who does not view Yahweh's entire Word as the complete revelation for life and for practice. Therefore, if you don't view this entire Word as being valid for life and practice, you cannot have perfect love. You can't. The law of Yahweh is perfect, Psalm 19, verse 7. You don't have to add to it or take away from it. Here's the second point on verse 8. Because Yahweh is love, when we do not show forth His character, it shows that we don't know Him. Now that doesn't mean that believers are sinless people. 1 John chapter 1 covers that. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But 1 John chapter 2 says this is how we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. And if we say we know Him and don't keep His commandments, we're a liar and the truth's not in us. So we have to believe both. We have to recognize we're not perfected this side of glory, but at the same time our lifestyle is one of the practicing of the commandments. So sanctification or holiness is a process. A justified person, a forgiven person will over time grow to greater and greater levels of Holiness and righteousness. I practice more now than I practiced 20 years ago. It's because Yahweh is still working on me to make me what I ought to be. He'll work on me till the day I die by His grace and by His mercy. 1 John overall deals with a lifestyle and a practice, not snapshots. Somebody could follow me for a month and take snapshots. 
of where I messed up and I looked terrible. But if they took a video camera and followed me for a month, you'd see I was a man that practiced righteousness. I say that by the mercies of Yahweh. We still stumble and fall. There's mercy and forgiveness for that. Yahweh isn't up there ready to throw you in the lake of fire because you had a bad day or a bad week. But there is no relationship where there is no practice of love. There is no relationship where there's no practice of love, brothers and sisters. Because Yahweh is love. So someone who lives a lifestyle of unrepentant sin can't be a child of Yahweh. Yahweh doesn't operate like that. If He is love and He makes you His child, you begin to act like Him. You start thinking like Him and you practice the behavior of the Messiah who perfectly obeyed Him. So what does it mean when the Bible says Yahweh is love? That's the only attribute in the whole Bible that it says Yahweh is this. He has wrath. He has compassion. He has justice. He has mercy. But the only one that it says He is, is love. Yahweh is love. Now remember, when we think about what that means, remember, our love for Yahweh is keeping His commandments, right? Service. So that means Yahweh is love refers to Yahweh's character, behavior, how He serves us, how He provides for us, His overall goodness on creation as a whole, but more specifically, His salvational, unique love that He has for those who belong to Him, His children. Look at verse 9. Yahweh's love was revealed among us in this way. Yahweh sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Yahweh's love, His service, help, provision was shown to us when He sent His one and only Son into this world so that we could have life. That action shows forth Yahweh's love. If you want to know what love is, read the Gospels. Read about the life of Yeshua of Nazareth. The people were so blessed who were able to know Him and hug Him and see Him and see the love of Yahweh in action. But we're blessed even though we haven't seen we can now read about Him in the Gospels. And that's how we can know the love of Yahweh because He perfectly portrays the works of Yahweh. He didn't come to do His own works, He said. He said, I come to do My Father's works. I come to testify about My Father. So us, we messed things up from the very beginning. We've all heard about Genesis 3, the serpent and the trees. Adam and Eve fell into sin. And I hope you don't think you could have done any better. Because you already had your chance and you messed up too, just like Adam and Eve. We've all sinned. That was a big part of the message of last week in Psalm 103. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. He has not repaid us according to our offenses. So Yahweh sent His Son into the world. Yahweh spoke His Son into existence in the womb of the Virgin Miriam. And Yeshua was sent from the words of Yahweh inside the womb out into the world. And through faith in Him and what Yahweh has done, we can have life. Because the Messiah merited eternal life. He merited eternal life. He obeyed Yahweh perfectly. Hebrews 1 says He loved righteousness, and that means always, and He hated lawlessness. Therefore, Yahweh, His Almighty One, has anointed Him with the oil of gladness above His companions. Those companions are us, fellow humans. We all fell short, but Yeshua did not. Not only because He's the unique Son of Yahweh, but because He walked in complete love. He walked in service. We attach ourselves to Him by faith, and therefore we are able to have life be made alive by Him through resurrection. 
That's some good news. We've fallen short. But if we attach ourselves to the Messiah by faith, we're co-inheritors with what He earned or merited from His perfect obedience. That's some good news right there, brothers and sisters. My cold, dead body one day will rise and live forever in a kingdom without end. That's some good news. That's the good news of the kingdom. Brother William read about it in Matthew chapter 9. That was the message that Yeshua preached. He went around preaching to all the towns about the gospel of the kingdom. We should still preach it today. So believer, today, you do not live because of yourself. Any good fruit that you bear is not your life source. Your fruit, your good works, when we start getting the big head and thinking that we're so good, your fruit is not where your life comes from. The other day I was weed eating around my blueberry bushes and I accidentally broke a branch off of a bush. I was so upset because that branch had some big, thick, plump berries on it. They're delicious. They always come in in the month of June. I gave some berries to Brother Jerry. They're good. Good berries. <laughs> I picked my, that branch up that, that broke off of that bush. I picked it up and I said to myself, Well, that's the last berries that will ever grow on this branch. No more berries will grow on this branch. You know why? Because it was cut off from the life source. It was cut off from the vine, from the plant. It was no longer attached to the root or to the vine. John 15, Yeshua says, I am the vine. You are the branches. My Father is the gardener. If we're completely cut off from the vine, or if we're not attached to the vine to begin with, we don't have a life source. As believers, any fruit that we bear, any of them blueberries that we bear, spiritually speaking, that looks good, it's not because we're good in and of ourselves. It's because we're attached to the vine. That's where the life comes from. Earlier in the Gospel of John, Big John, Yeshua says, As the Father has life in Himself, so He has also granted for the Son to have life in Himself, so that everyone who believes in the Son will not perish, will not die. We've got to be attached to the vine. We produce when we abide in Him. Never get the big head thinking that you look so good with the fruit that you bear. You should always point back to the vine, to the Son. And then when you point back to the Son, He's going to look at you and He's going to say, I'm going to point back to my Father, the gardener, the husbandman, who makes all things happen. I wouldn't be here if it were not for Him. And this is a good thought to bring us to the last verse I want to look at today, verse 10. Love consists in this, not that we loved Yahweh. Not that we loved Yahweh, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Here is the definition of the love that Yahweh has for us. Remember what I said at the beginning. Love is service. Just like we love Yahweh when we serve Him, He shows us His love by serving us. He serves us, Brother Matthew. How? How does He serve us? By sending His Son to be the propitiation That's a big word. I'm going to talk about it here in a second. The propitiation for our sins. It's not that we love Yahweh. None of us would be here if He hadn't loved you first. 1 John 4.19, we love because He first loved us. You didn't take the first step. Yahweh took the first step. 
Salvation is of Yahweh. That's what Jonah said before the great fish spit him out back on the land. And he went to tell the people of Nineveh, I've been in this big fish for three days and three nights. He said, Yeshua is of Yahweh. Salvation is of Yahweh. And the fish spit him up. We love because He first loved us. He gave us that act of service. What about the word propitiation? I'm going to close with this. You can do a complete study on this yourself if you'd like, but I'll be brief. Propitiate, and I like that the HCSB kept that word in there. It comes from the Latin language and it means this. To ease the anger or disturbance of one who is superior to you. An illustration would be, it's like if you do something wrong at work and you make your boss spit nails or upset. And then you wonder, what needs to be done to ease the anger and the disturbance that's been caused? What needs to be done? What needs to be the propitiation? Propitiation refers to something or someone that is put in place to stop anger and disturbance in a relationship. The Greek word that's used here in the Greek New Testament is the word helasmos. And it's used twice in 1 John. That's the only times it's used in the Newer Testament. But it's used a handful of times in the Greek Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. For instance, it's used in Leviticus 25 verse 9 of the Day of Atonement, propitiation. In Numbers 5 verse 8, it speaks of the Ram of Atonement, propitiation. And in Daniel 9 verse 9 in Daniel's prayer, some translations of the Septuagint translate the word helasmos, propitiation, as mercy. With you there is mercy. So the idea here is that Yahweh has wrath or anger against us due to our sins. Psalm 103, remember, He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. Now the wrath of Yahweh is a scriptural concept that's becoming less and less talked about today, but it is in the Bible, let me assure you. The Bible doesn't just teach that one of Yahweh's attributes is love. It also teaches that one of Yahweh's attributes is wrath. And it's because He's just. It's just like if somebody did something awfully wrong to you or your family and you went to the court case and they were there. If the judge just let them off scot-free, you'd say, that's not right. I want justice. Well, Yahweh is just. We've broken His law. We've done things that are worthy of death. Every one of us in here that are worthy of death. And Yahweh has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. Yahweh has wrath too, not just love. Yahweh is such a holy being that when we sin, it puts a barrier between us and Him, a big brick wall that we can't move. In 1 John 2 verse 2 and 1 John 4 verse 10 both teach us that Yeshua, the Son of Yahweh, was sent to ease or release the wrath of Yahweh against us. That's what propitiation means. So even in Yahweh's wrath, and this is what's so beautiful, because Yahweh's merciful even in His wrath. Even in Yahweh's wrath, He provides, He serves us by giving a way of escape, by giving a way of mercy. How does He do that? By the life of His Son. By the life of His Son. His entire life, obedience, death, burial, resurrection, ascension to heaven, and now high priesthood in heaven. Everything that Yeshua of Nazareth did was because He loved Yahweh fully. 
He never not loved Yahweh. You read that law in Deuteronomy 6 that says, Love Yahweh. We quoted at the end of our convocation, Love Yahweh with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You want to know what that looks like? Yeshua. That's what it looks like. I know I'm supposed to do it, but I hadn't done it. But the Messiah did it. He's the propitiation for our sins. Chapter 2 says, And not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. And I think when John wrote that, he was talking about not just for our sins, the sins of Israel, but for the sins of anybody that comes to Yahweh through the Messiah. The whole world. Yeshua is the propitiation for our sins. The Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 36, puts this as well as I've ever seen it in the Bible. John 3.36 says this, The one who believes in the Son has eternal life. But the one who refuses to believe in the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of Yahweh remains on Him. So if you don't have a relationship with the Son, the wrath of Yahweh remains on you. Why? Because Yahweh sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So that disfellowship that a human has due to our sin against the Creator... The Son that was sent by the Father causes that disfellowship, that breaking apart, it causes that to cease and we come back together with fellowship to the Father. That's the goal, to have fellowship with the Father. That's the goal. And we do that through His Son, His, His free gift. Think about it like this. And I'll close with this. I know this is my second, maybe third closing. <laughs> A preacher has to have at least two closings. Think about it like this. Think of a beautiful city wherein dwells nothing but righteousness. Beauty, cleanliness, the air is the freshest that you've ever smelled. Beautiful. Streets of gold, perfection. There's only one bridge that will get you to the city. You can't fly a plane there because planes are not allowed. Too much pollution. Car, no. Boat, no. You gotta go on foot. You gotta use that bridge. Yahweh is the city. Yeshua is the bridge. And Yahweh Himself is the one who built the bridge and said, This is the way. You gotta come to the city. And anybody that comes another way is a thief and a robber. Brothers and sisters, that's what scripture means when it says that Yahweh is love. Yahweh is love. May Yahweh bless His Word to your hearts today.